What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Monday Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football you know, sideline reporter and trying to avoid the lightning and thunder going on. My goodness, I just hit a boomer right around me and not boomer sooner. <clears throat> it's tough stuff in Oklahoma right now. But that all said, welcome you in, and we're going to dive right into our conversation with our pal Andre Ware. Andre, anything different about this one that stands out to you as far as the way things played out down the stretch against the uh, New York Giants at the Meadowlands? Now, um, you know, other than the fact that we didn't turn the Giants over and as much as, you you know, you, you would want and we turned it over is is uh, kind of that the formula for yesterday. That, along with not really winning in the trenches, uh, just dominated at times at the line of scrimmage, especially on the offensive line. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I was telling Johnny on the plane last night, I don't know that I've ever seen an individual performance like that that just stood out from a defensive lineman ever. And uh, he played like a grown man playing with boys yesterday. Yeah, I'm, in some sense, he is. I mean, I don't know if Kenyon's – is Kenyon even old enough to drink at this point? Is he 21 yet? I think he is. But either way, point <laughs> being, Dexter Lawrence would have done that to anybody yesterday. That guy is is at an all-pro, pro-bowl yeah. level. I'm going to throw this out there to both of you. I want you to think about this. Mm-hmm. It's a little either-or. Okay. Better Texans boomerang. Quentin Demps or Jordan Akins? Dre, make your pick. Ooh. That's a Dempsey's tough one. good. Yeah, he, you good. know how partial you know how partial I am to Jordan. That's Hankins why I asked and, the question. You know, setting him up. That's uh, I set you up for this. Yeah, yeah. No, I would, I would, I would still stay on my 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 uh, normal trajectory here and train and and stay with Jordan Akins. I just think he's a a hell of a weapon that uh, is excellent in the passing game. And the only reason, the only way I can think of that he doesn't get <clears throat> the normal touches and he's not a a starter and a pro bowler and all, all that goes into it is that the blocking's got to get better. That's the only thing because the receiving and running routes and catching passes and what he does after that is amazing to me. And I, I've said it on the air several times that I think he garners seven to ten uh, targets a game. That's the kind of talent I think Jordan Akins is. And I, I feel the same way about Nico Collins. You know, seven to ten targets a game is what they need to uh, to really entrench themselves in a ball game and and show you uh, show you what they they're capable of doing. Yeah, Dems came back and had seven picks, but Akins has eight games to go to add to his stat total, whatever else he's able to produce this year. So I think it's an incomplete so far, Johnny. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. To Dre's point about targets, Nico had ten yesterday, okay. caught five. Uh, Aikens targeted three times, caught three times for 72 yards, including that 46 yarder. Yeah, probably deserves more, and we'll see how they handle it because, Dre, they're running the ball well. We know that. They threw the ball better in the second half. I know some of the yards were down the stretch when they were trying to play that get a quick score and onside kick game, however they could do it. Maybe the Giants changed their defense. But let's talk about this passing attack in general. What needs to get better in your mind as you continue to look at Mills with eight games to go here in the season? I think freedom needs to uh, just that, that word. Because when what you just mentioned was when they threw the football the best and played the best. Uh, at the end of the game. So I, I think that's, uh, I mean, Johnny may agree with me in this instance. I think I've heard him say that, but 
But, uh, you know, when he is running the two-minute offense, he's just at the line of scrimmage running plays, he looks the part. It's when he's got to think and it's methodical, and, and that's tough for everybody. Sometimes you just need a little bit of freedom to just go to the line, run a play. As well, I think being a little more aggressive uh, in the passing game where you're not waiting on a defense to set this set. Sometimes you just got to have plays where you just go get to the line of scrimmage, snap the football, and run them. And you don't have to set this, that, and the other. Things are just kind of taken care of within the system. Uh, and I think when Davis Mills has that kind of freedom in the two-minute offense, that's when he's at his best. Dre, defensively, Christian Harris made some plays. And it felt like, and I talked to Lovey about this, there were fits and starts. There was some stuff, some really good stuffs, and then Barkley would reel off a, a chunk run. Did you come out of that game yesterday feeling better, worse, or just about the same with the run defense in the front seven going against Barkley? He had 152 yards. Uh, I think that was the number, 152 yards. Yeah. But it took him 35 carries to get there. So your thoughts about the run defense yesterday? Yeah, I thought it was about the same, Johnny, to be quite honest. I mean, just gashes the yards at times, and then they would stop him when, you know, the Giants knew they were going to run on first or second down, or the Texans knew the Giants were going to run on those early downs, and they were there. But when, when they really wanted to feature Saquon, and, and as we mentioned, it may be something that it, they ran a lot of weak side runs, weak side being away yep. from the tight end or the strength of the formation. Um and I got to go back and look at some, some film to see if that's where other teams are doing their damage as well. Because I couldn't believe the amount of runs that were weak side. But to your question, I thought it was about the same. When you give up 152 yards to a guy, um, and uh, the the other back, I can't remember, his name escapes me right now. Brita, Matt Brita. Uh, Brita, Brita at times ran, you know, broke off a couple of runs here and there. So you're giving up 180, 180 yards. A game that's a lot of yards in the NFL, and they were right on par. I would I would imagine with with that number yesterday. Dre, the Colts beat the Raiders yesterday in Vegas. They got Jonathan Taylor back to Jonathan Taylor form with 147 yards on 22 carries. Matt Ryan started, obviously a huge story that Jeff Saturday is the interim coach, but. Do you feel like this is about Ryan and Taylor coming back as much as anything, although you have to credit Saturday for some leadership skills throughout the course of the week and a hectic week for this franchise? Yeah, he had to really uh, kind of grab the reins and, and go as, as the days or the hours were, were counting down to, to, uh, to game time. Um, and that's a credit to Jeff Saturday because I didn't, I didn't think that they could pull it off with a, a guy coming in with zero NFL head coaching experience uh, quarterback that you were going back to, a uh, guy that was calling plays yesterday, never called that had never called them before. I mean, it was a mess, and they found a way to win a game, and so much so that they had Derek Carr emotional at the post game uh, presser. So it, uh, I mean, you're thinking if there's a chance to win a football game, that was it yesterday for the Raiders, and they couldn't do it. But tip your hat to the Colts; they found a way. Maybe being non-conventional is the way to go. You know, where you give uh, someone leadership based or, or a job based on leadership or what you think, that, how they, you think they can lead a, uh, a program. So who knows? I mean, if it works out for the Colts, kudos for them. And they've got a coach for a very long time in Jeff Saturday. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys, not so much a loaded question, but make you think a little bit. So I want to hear, hear answers from both of you guys. Dre, we'll start with you. The, te- the two teams with the best record in the NFL right now are, right now, Right now, 
the Vikings, quarterback Kirk Cousins. The Eagles, undefeated still, playing tonight against the Commanders. Yeah. Led by quarterback Jalen Hurts. One was a fourth rounder, was a second rounder. We know the stories pretty much for both and how they've gotten there. But they're leading the two top records in the NFL right now. Is there anything to take from that? Is there any lesson to be learned from that at all that Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts, not Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, not Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, it's two guys that weren't even first-round picks with the Eagles and the Vikings and Jalen Hurts and Kirk Cousins. Dre, do you find that interesting, or is that just they've got a lot of talent around them, they're just making the plays or doing the right things? What do you think about Cousins and Hurts being the two quarterbacks that lead the two best records in the NFL? Well, I don't know that there's a whole lot of t- uh, difference in talent when you know in terms of their draft and uh, where they were drafted out of, out of college. I mean, that big of a difference. Uh, I guess the point I'm going to try to make here is that when you're when you've played a lot like they did, Jalen at Alabama and Kirk at I think it was Michigan State, you yep. start a lot of games, you played a lot of games, you had success in college. It's not a whole lot of difference in you and the next guy or the guy that's drafted few few rounds ahead of you, uh, and it may be a guy that's actually started less games. He's going into a pressure situation. You're going into a situation when you're drafted a little bit later where you get to develop. You get to sit and watch and wait. And uh, in Jalen's case, he got to play a little bit earlier, but he also had played a lot of games against a high level of competition at Alabama. So uh, I don't I don't see it as um, that they weren't first-round picks. And then that, that's the only common thread in this is that they got a chance. And there's no right or wrong because Mahomes played. He actually waited a year and then played. Uh, Brady had to wait some time and then played. So that theme for me is, you know, a year or two of development and getting to know the system. It also helps when uh, you're coming back to the same system uh, in current years for a young player to get that level of foundation in which to build from and where you understand the speed of the game and all that goes on to being an NFL quarterback. If uh, if you don't get that time necessary, it's, it's tough. And a lot of guys go to a lot of places where, Quite honestly, you're drafted that high because they weren't that good. And some organizations never seem to get it right. But that that's yeah. the one thing I would turn to is that it's the development part of being able to sit and watch and then step in, knowing exactly what to do or pretty much what to do. Yeah, both guys had different situations. But I think it's worth bringing up when you have quarterbacks who aren't first-round draft mm-hmm. choices, high draft choices, yeah. guys who have a chance yeah. to – show their stuff. I mean, Cousins with RG3 in front of him, there was a lot of, obviously, there was a lot placed on RG3. He was the franchise quarterback, so no pressure virtually on Cousins in that situation, but he he rose up pretty nicely. Uh, They'll be the first to tell you that organization that nothing is done yet, but they're off to a good start. They did lose to the Eagles, by the way. Dre, the Eagles host the Commanders tonight, Sunday's opponent for the Houston Texans on Salute to Service Day. So what do you think? Commanders, you know, they beat the Colts with Heineke. They beat Green Bay with Heineke. They beat Jacksonville, and they lost by three to the Vikings. What do you make of tonight's matchup, Washington and Philly in the city of brotherly love? Yeah, I said this yesterday. I think that's an upset game. I think Washington wins the game tonight. And, I, and part of the reason, the big reason, is because of who you name, Taylor Heineke. I think he's a competitor. I think he's tough to defend. He's mobile. Uh, he has got a carefree spirit. He will sling it around. And those are guys that are they, they are dangerous to play. 
He's he's got enough experience where he knows this league now, and he's playing with a tremendous amount of confidence. Every time he gets an opportunity where it's more than just a fill-in here or a game here, uh, the the kid wins, and he looks good doing it. And I I feel confident that uh, that Washington will do or will do the job tonight and upset Philadelphia. Okay, here's a piece of news from Ian Rappaport. Okay, speaking of the Commodores. The Commanders are not activating star pass rusher Chase Young off IR for tonight's game against the Eagles, a source said. Young coming back from ACL tear is close to being ready, and there is a real chance he makes his debut next week if all goes well at practice this week. And that would be against us. Thanks a lot. Great. Well, wait a minute, Just though. Beautiful. He's an edge guy, right? He doesn't play defensive tackle. That's correct. So we're good. Well, that is if you think Deron <laughs> Payne is uh, a slappy, which Deron Payne, Deron Payne is not a slappy at all. Uh, Dre, I want to uh, read you something real quick. I don't want to get your reaction to it. And I don't, I don't have a Heisman ballot, but I just put together my top five for what it would be. I want you to opine mm-hmm. on what I've come up with. Number one, Hendon Hooker. Number two, Drake May from North Carolina. Number three, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State. Four, Blake Corum. Number five, Michael Penix Jr. And then an honorary vote went to Harold Perkins from LSU, the true freshman from out of Cyprus, who was unbelievable against both Alabama and Arkansas. Your gut reaction to my faux Heisman ballot? I like it. I like it. You kind of go, went off the grain a little bit. You got uh, not the norm of, of guys that, uh, that a lot of people have and, you don't have last year's uh, Heisman winner yeah, on there. Where's Bryce, uh, in, in your top five or six. Yeah, where's Bryce? Bryce is still Bryce playing is... some pretty good football now. He is. He is. I'm, I'm telling you, the throw that he makes, the throw that he made against Ole Miss where he's kind of fading to his mm-hmm. right, and he's got to hit Ja'Cory Brooks in the end zone. If you, have, if you haven't seen it, I mean, my goodness. I, I just feel like in, yeah, I, I probably should have put Bryce in there. Uh, I don't think there's any question, but I a, wanted to make sure Blake Corum got some love because I think Blake's been really good this year. But to me, the biggest one was Drake May. Drake May is a class of 2024. And I know everybody, well, hey, this 2023 class, I mean, I'm guilty of it. This 2023 class is going to be fantastic at quarterback. It's going to be good. And there's depth to it. Yeah. I don't know if there's high-end elite, elite, elite guys across the board, but class of 24, Dre. I mean, the class of 24, Dre, with Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jackson Dart. Man, there could be some elite dudes, but Drake May is killing it for North Carolina this year. Yeah, he can flat out throw it. And, uh, you know, I think Mac got lucky in, in a sense. Well, not lucky because he recruited the kids. But when you lose uh, a Hartman and then all of a sudden you can replace him with Drake May and not really lose a step. I know their offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, very well. We yep. text about weekly, and he is a hell of a coach. He loves Drake May, and uh, and just the ability to be able to coach him for the next couple of seasons uh, is amazing. But he is the sole reason why North Carolina is relevant in the ACC this year. All right, so we have the Tax Act Texas Bowl coming up December 28th here at NRG Stadium. I guess the Aggies aren't going to be there. Uh, <laughs> or any bull for that matter. Or any they bull. could. They could. They could. Uh, they're, they're still, what are they now? Uh, three and what? What's their yeah, record? They're, they're three and seven, so they've only got two games left. So they got you. Oh, wow. Well, well, they aren't going. That's right. Going. Sub 500 yeah. Aggies. And by the way, my goodness. Just put salt in that wound. Uh, well, let me ask you this, though. Let's let's focus on something happier. TCU, Dre, and the, and the Blue Bloods just don't want them in there. They're 10 and 0. 
do they deserve to be there? Obviously, they have to win out. But what are your thoughts on how good they can be in this playoff if they make it? I, I think they can give anybody at any time fits. They're kind of the, the further south or the Big 12's version of Tennessee, where I think mm. and they might be a little bit better on defense, obviously, than Tennessee. Uh, but offensively, they can score with anybody. And you've got to tap, tip your hat to, to Sonny and what he's been able to do there in a very short period of time. It's a magical ride. You're right. It's, it's reserved for the Blue Bloods. But here comes TCU to crash the party. All they can do is play who's on their schedule and look good doing it. And they've done it the entire season. So absolutely, they're deserving of being exactly where, right where they are at this, this point in the season. Two regular season games left. Big 12 championship game is always a rematch. Mm-hmm. They are undefeated. They're in. Okay. I mean, I mean it, right now it's yeah. basically a playoff yeah. for TCU every weekend. You lose, you're out. You win every week, you're in. So Ohio State, Michigan, the loser is going to be out, right? You would think. You depends would think. on how the game goes. Yeah, it depends on how that game goes. I would imagine because is there any uh, chance for it, you know for you know who to sneak back in there? The, no, the evil so. empire. No, because they can't win the West and they can't win the SEC, so there's no way. Yeah, okay. you, no you, way. you've got to be a conference. I, I would imagine a, a conference champion or play for the conference championship, and, and Alabama can't do either. But LSU can, and LSU's got two losses, but LSU can. Oh, yeah. LSU wins out. They're going to go to the playoff with two losses. Mm, Brian Kelly, not a bad job there in year one, huh? Mm-hmm. We'll yeah, see. you win. You win the SEC. You're pretty much going to get in, uh, based on you know, and, and that could easily happen with LSU. Though I don't know if I see anybody right now beating Georgia on their way to to uh, to the SEC championship and the in in the SEC championship game. But who Dre, knows? I'm you never gi- know. I'm going to give you a purely hypothetical situation here. Okay? okay, this is totally hypothetical. All right, when I get these, it's okay. all right. Yeah, both of you, both of you. You're okay. a general manager <laughs> of an NFL team, and you have the number one pick in the draft. Who are you Ooh. taking? Oh, this is easy for me. I take. I'm nine. trading back. I'm well, trading oh, back. Oh, that's, no, you got to make your. You got to <laughs> add. You got to add to the situation. You can't trade back. You have right, to sit there and make picks. Cannot trade back. You didn't gonna... say that, but I'm. I'm <laughs> trading back without, before he does it. Before he puts this. This addendum into this this, this deal. I'm going to trade back, acquire picks, and figure out how to get Michael Penix Jr. L- let me That's let me rephrase. All right, yeah, let me rephrase it. You have a very high pick, and you decide this is hypothetical. You decide you need a quarterback. Who are you taking? I know this is easy for me. It would be a, a you don't have to tell me quarterback or player. It's Bryce Young. I brought him up earlier. Okay. I just want the ball in his hands. <clears throat> I want the ball in his hands. When there's an opportunity, if you tell me I can't trade, if you tell me I can't trade, which I would like to do, to I like what Dre's thinking, absolutely. If I can trade down, oh, my gosh. That's why you got to have the Browns keep losing. Because you get one, if you get the uh, Browns pick ooh. and they keep losing, well, then we you could f- trade down from that one. We can oh, affect that. The yeah. Texans can affect that I, in I December. Can. We can. Yeah, I can't help myself but think this way. But, and I'm thinking through Bryce Young's eyes as a player as well, that, you know, when, when – if it's Bryce Young, I don't see that I could take Bryce Young first overall. But one, I don't know how healthy he's going to be from year in, year in to year out based on his, you know, how he's built. Uh, two, he's got to go to the right situation. And do I have enough talent around him to, to actually have, the, for him to have the type of career that I need him to have as, 
as a general manager of a team? Do Can I equip him with a, enough talent right away for him to step in day one? Because I know he's going to be smart enough. He's going to pick things up. Uh, that's a guy that you play right away. But can I win with him right away with what I got, what I have around him right now? And that would be the question before I made that decision to pull the trigger for Bryce Young. Otherwise, it's a bigger statured guy like Hooker or Stroud or even the trade back scenario where I know that I can get more picks and then still get a quarterback that's probably got the best arm in this draft in Michael Penix. Yeah, but Dre, your guy is going to shoot up the board through the offseason. I just predict this happening. Well, if here's he's the other, that good. Here's and, the other thing Penix is going to have to fight, too. If he's that good, then take his, his whole battle is going to be physical. The That's physical. exactly right. It's not, he's a, physically, he is the most talented quarterback in this thing in terms of experience, uh, where he can put the football. He can throw it in places that guys on Sundays can't put it. But, but what, do, can what do you mean pass the physical? A physical the, the physical, when he goes in and they're tapping on his knee and moving things around, he's had two ACLs. He's had a shoulder injury. And, mm. you know, can he finish the season? Those types of things. He's still mobile. Hell, he was a track star coming out of high school. He can run, but they don't ask him to do that at Washington for fear that, you know, the injuries come back become a part of it again. So that's the big part of for Michael Penix is can he pass a physical because physically – he is gifted as gifted as any quarterback in the country. Four years at Indiana, four years in Indiana, four season-ending injuries during those years. Mm-hmm. Yep. So never finished it completely. If he is healthy, if he is healthy, I mean, I agree with Trey. I mean, the throw that he makes for a touchdown against Oregon the other night in the cover two hole is just ripped. I mean, I don't know what quarterback makes I'm that throw. Him right Johnny, it's I've had him twice this year, and I've had the luxury of seeing. I, throw after throw just wild yep. throws during a game not we're not talking a practice session or we're in yep. pre-game warm-up i'm talking in-game stuff that you would you would it would be the equivalent of seeing somebody pull off a dunk in a game that you you've only seen in practice and with other bodies around them uh, on the floor that's how good the kid is that's how well about, he can throw the football are you talking about the deep pass to polk because no. all right, well that one was a beauty too. Mm. Because he he had oh, a player that, oh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. in his face. That's Mark. That's his second best throw of the night. Oh, that throw was gorgeous. But the best throw was into the the cover two hole to Raj Davis. I mean, just a laser shot from Michael Penix. It's a name to keep an eye on. Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. He has got a cannon. He just has to stay healthy. All right, we get back. Let's hear from the general John McClain right here in Texas All Access. What's going on, everybody? Hopefully you are dry and doing okay as I've got lightning boomers all around me tonight on Texans All Access. But appreciate you being here with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time to talk to the general. And, of course, we wanted to get his thoughts on the Texans' loss to the Giants right now. Another game where right there in the fourth quarter I have a chance to make some plays. They're not able to make them. They go home with another loss. Your thoughts? Texans have been in every game in the fourth quarter other than the Titans game and another one score loss. And what, you know, you can't go one of six in the red zone and really two touchdowns are in the red zone, even though one went from the 14 back out to the 29 and Mills threw a terrible pass into double coverage in the end zone. And you can't go three of 10 on third down 
You just can't do that. Yet here they were. They make just enough crucial mistakes to lose. And it's it's amazing the way they stay in those games. But one of six in the red zone, three of ten on third down, both turnovers crucial. Really, uh, the Giants, you knew because they're going to, when you run the ball a lot, the game's going to be close unless you're giving up long touchdown runs. And more and more teams in the NFL now are running the ball. And I read a great analysis of that early in the season because more teams are playing two deep coverage design to prevent big plays. And some teams are still making big plays in the passing game. But I get it just amazes me that Davis Mills could be so bad, 6-13 for 35 yards in the first half. And then they come out with a different strategy with Pep Hamilton calling the plays, and he's 16 of 24 for 284 yards and a touchdown in the second half. If they ever put together mm. a full game like they flashed in the first half or the second half, Philadelphia, great first half. This game, terrible first half by the passing game. And they're still down 7-3. to three. So if they're able to do that, and I don't know if they will be because they haven't done it yet, they can win some games, including the game coming up against the Commanders. Washington is nothing special. Yeah, Washington is nothing special, but they got a few interior dudes that are pretty good. John, if you could alter or change one thing right now for this Texans team, you could just change it. And no matter high level, low, I mean, whatever you want it to be, you can change one thing right now that you think is going to make this team win games, be competitive for the next eight games, but win half of those down the stretch. What one thing would you change or would you do? Consistency that comes with finishing in the fourth quarter games in which you're close. They're getting pounded in the fourth quarter. And I think a lot of that's talent. You know, this team doesn't have a lot of talent. Let's be honest, got the worst record in the NFL. And so that that kind of shows up. But the ability to be consistent from start to finish and do what they're doing. You know, you don't you say, okay, you need a new quarterback. You need new interior offensive lineman and center and right guard. There's things that they need, of course, but with this, with everything they got going, if they could just come up in the fourth quarter and do what they do, some of the like the third quarter is their strongest quarter. And what bothers me, Jerry Hughes is having a tremendous season. He's thirty, mm. what thirty four years old, and so it's like. To me, you should be able to put him in a freezer and thaw him out next year, and see. And because and, and he's going to take taking a beating, he's going to set a career high in sacks here for the Texans. He's been and he's been able to do it without Jonathan Bernard, their best pass rusher, on the other side helping him out. It's amazing what Jerry Hughes is doing. John, latest assessment on Davis Mills. They're playing him to develop him, to get him better, to see what they've got in him. And you see so many flashes, like you said. What are your thoughts as you have eight games to go here in the regular season? At halftime, I was tweeting benching. Put in Kyle Allen. The passing <laughs> game is awful. And it was. And yet they were 7-3. to three. And they stuck with Mills. And he threw for 284 yards. In the second half, he had one really bad pass that was intercepted. That was one too many. 
I'm sure he gets frustrated. You're on the 14-yard line. Next thing you know, you're on the 29. You have a touchdown pass call back because of the penalty on Kenyon Green. So he tried to get it all in that one play. But in Mills's case, consistency. Play a whole game like he played in the first half against Philadelphia, the second half in this game. You know, he did it last year, but he's not doing it this year. Last year, down the stretch, he had three ratings in triple digits. This year, he's got none. And he had his receivers back, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. And, you know, when you look at what this team's going to need in the offseason, uh, they got a lot of needs. You know, you look at you look on offense. If if Nick Casario sees a quarterback he likes better than Mills, he's got to take him. You can fill in. But if you got a chance to get a franchise quarterback, you got to get him. You know, they need a center. They need a tight end. They need another receiver. You've got to have better guys interior-wise at center and right guard because they're getting crushed by defensive tackles. And then you got to be able to stop the run better. That stops with the interior. You know, it would be very tempting. And, and this is going to be something we'll think about. Say, say Mills turns it around and shows consistency. And Casario, okay, we'll ride with Mills another season. Top pick, would it be Will Anderson? Would it be Jalen Carter of Georgia? Both of them are great, two totally different players, but both who could provide, solve a serious need here. And, uh, you know, they still need, to me, another safety. And, and uh, But still, down 7-3 at halftime against a team that's not going to blow you out. I thought it would be another close game, would be a fast game because both teams are going to run so much, and it was till right at the end. And uh, it was fun. It was fun to watch because the Texans had a chance to win another game, and I suspect they're going to have a chance to beat Washington. General, your gut reaction to Jeff Saturday and the Colts going out to Las Vegas and winning that game yesterday? Good for him, and how embarrassing for Josh McDaniels. Last year under Rick Passaccio, they were like 7-1 and in one one-score games. This year they're winless. The Raiders right now got to be the biggest disappointment in the league. Josh McDaniels' record as a head coach at Denver and in his first season with the Raiders has been awful, and it's got to be exacerbated because you lose to a guy who has never coached. And I'm guessing if Frank Reich was still there, Jim Irsay would not have let him play Matt Ryan. But he let Jeff Saturday play him, and Ryan played well. Jonathan Taylor up to his old tricks, 140 yards, and that's the way they win. And congratulations to Saturday. A good guy thrust into a situation unprecedented since 1950. Wow. All right, so the Titans get Ryan Tannehill back. Derrick Henry doesn't run for much, below 60 yards, but Tannehill plays well enough, and they beat the Broncos. Thoughts on them, and I don't need, I don't know if we need to get into the Jags losing to Kansas City. That just happened. But anyway, thoughts on the Titans? Mike Vrabel continues to do a great coaching job. He didn't have Jeffrey Simmons. They've lost so many players this year. Their offense is not good. Their defense is great under uh, – Shane Bowen, who was here, when Vrabel left, he asked if he could take Shane Bowen with him. They said yes, and now he's a coordinator 
their defense, even without Jeffrey Simmons? Wouldn't it happen to the Texans and Titans if Jeffrey Simmons had not been able to play that game? And they're able to pull it out. Tannehill, two touchdown passes. It's just amazing the way they continue to win despite everything they have going on on both sides of the ball. Tip of the cap to Grable, as we, we know very well, is a good guy who's doing a great job. They don't get a lot of attention. They're boring. They play every game close, but they continue to win. General game of the year yesterday, Buffalo, Minnesota. Is it? Without a doubt, the game of the year. That one was wild. We were kind of following it in the post game, and I was like, wait, this game is still going um, at that point. Just a tremendous game. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but you agree it's the game of the year to this point through 10 weeks? Game of the year may be the game of the year for the rest of the season. It was it was on here opposite the Texans. Texans went off. You switch over to that, and right when Josh Allen fumbled on his one-inch line, as per the FCS rules, we have to switch to your regular programming, which is the Cowboys and the Packers. We're going, oh, my God. And uh, so it was an incredible finish. And Josh Allen's been throwing too many interceptions, throwing too many interceptions in the end zone. And, gosh, Kevin O'Connell and his offensive coordinator, Wes Phillips, son of Wade, grandson of Trump, are doing a tremendous job with Kirk Cousins. They got balance. They proved they got mental toughness now. What you want to do is keep Kirk Cousins out of prime time where he's been terrible. But based on the way they're playing right now, the Minnesota Vikings are the second-best team in the NFL. And I'll say the third-best team, the Philadelphia and Kansas City. But they're showing a grit under Kevin O'Connell. I have to tell you all a quick story. And after, when Johnny Manziel was coming in, coming out in the draft, I went out to San Diego and spent two days with him, with George Whitfield, was training him. And I went with him where they trained, wrote a bunch of stuff about him. And so uh, I went everywhere with him. And then when he did his, his work on the computer, uh, George takes me in his room, a guy's sitting at the computer, Manziel sits next to him. He says, hey, McClain, John McClain, Kevin O'Connell, Kevin's helping out with uh, my quarterbacks here on their computer work. And that's how I met him. And the same thing happened here when Jeff Nally, the agent here, that guy's working out for Jerry Rowe. And one day I was there. Oh, this is uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, just left pro football. He's doing some work for us uh, with our quarterback prospects. That's how I met Kevin O'Connell and Cliff Kingsbury. Well, you know, I always say, be nice to the interns. They might be your boss one day. So <laughs> it's notable when you see, look, You're Mike nice McDaniel. To everybody. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying, General. Uh, qu- quick comment here. You mentioned the commanders, and I'm looking at the stats here. It's a pretty good matchup for the Texans here on Sunday. And they play at the Eagles tonight. Then they have to stay on the road, stay on the road. They'll go home, but they have back-to-back on the road as they'll come here on Sunday. Will you pick the Texans over the commanders, General? Well, picking against them every game, I've been pretty, I've been in pretty good shape. But you know what? I may just to change it up. I may pick uh, the Texans to beat the Commanders. They're certainly capable. They've played well enough to win several games. Now, some of these games, they were close in the fourth quarter. They weren't going to win. So they just weren't good enough. It was from Heineke, who had a cup of coffee. 
they can win that game at NRG Stadium. Yes, I may pick them. All right, Sunday at noon, Texans Commanders. All right, we'll get together Thursday night at 6. All right, thank you, John. We appreciate the time, as always. Thank you, guys, as always. Yes, thank you, General. Appreciate you being here. All right, we get back. Spencer Tillman will join the show right here on Texas All Access. Hey, I know we got a lot of great fans out there, but I give props to some of our biggest fans right here in Houston, and that's Daikin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future. Reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Daikin, loves Houston. Dot com And we love Spencer Tillman. And he joined us to talk about the game, but we started with the Texans quarterback. Spencer, latest thoughts on Davis Mills. Another performance where you had some good moments. You had some moments you want back. You had over 300 yards. I know a lot of that was at the end of the game when you're trying to play that onside kick, get a quick score kind of game, and get down the field in a hurry. But your thoughts on Mills with eight games to go in the season? Well, we got this is a little bit trickier, a lot trickier, actually. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Tim Brando, my broadcast partner, how we fight. You know, we, we have what I call creative tension, and it's <laughs> intentional. We have to do it. We have to do it to be better at what we do. So if you're assessing a guy who you kind of said, hey, look, we're going to give him a shot and give him everything he possibly can have to have success uh, in this second year of his campaign, so of his career. So as you do that, as you evaluate what constitutes success, you better have some hard edges on that. In other words, have clear lines of what constitutes success and failure mapped out. Because if you don't, people don't like to make that clear because they like to keep it in the fog. But the problem is you still end up failing anyway if you don't make the terms and conditions of what constitutes success clear. And then when you finally get it, don't be afraid to pull the trigger and make the decision, whatever that decision is. I personally think it's too early to be pulling the plug at the halfway point on the guy who you decided, you know, to give a shot at being your franchise guy. So I I think it's early. I think you give him the full year to see if he can make good on the promise that he showed at the end of a rookie campaign. That's the way I would handle it right now. But you definitely better be mindful of where you are right now in that process. See, these are good life lessons from Spencer because I feel like I like to keep things foggy, Mm -hmm. all right? I like to keep (laughs) things foggy. And also at home, when there's an argument, next time I'm going to say this is just creative tension. Yes. All right? right. This is not really an argument. It's creative tension, but I'm right and you're wrong. Yes, exactly. That's probably not what you (laughs) should say. That's probably not what you should say. if you want to sleep outside. (laughs) Right, exactly. You got it. You got it, man. Spencer, uh, I don't – Trying to think of the timing. I don't think we talked with you about this last week. With Jim Irsay and the Colts going out and getting Jeff Saturday to lead the team as the interim head coach, they go to Las Vegas and the Colts get a win. They've got a 30-year-old calling plays who was an offensive assistant last week. He calls that's plays. The story. I that, think that's a big story. Is a big story. Defense holds the Raiders to 20. Gus Bradley has a great game. But just everything going on with the Colts, Spencer, how do you think that was received in the locker room with a player, well, a former player who had never coached in the NFL or even college coming in to lead the team in week 10 of the season? Ah, uh, the professor set me up, man, with a good one. That was like a knuckleball. It was like a field Negro knuckleball. And here's why it was a tricky one. Because you can't argue with the results, right? You yeah. don't argue with the results. Guys get that momentary burst. And, but, but what it does at the same time, and, and both things, by the way, can be true. If you have this infrastructure put in place, this Rooney rule, which I think 
is not the best scenario to fix it because you have to understand who's trying to fix it. The folks that are trying to fix it are the ones that really have the bias that's kind of inherent in all of us. All of us have bias, irrespective of race, color, any of that stuff. The question is we have to understand how structural bias works and then how do you guard against it. But when you have a system in place and you do what you did, or say did with Saturday, what you do, man, is you just basically railroad any type of effort that's established to create some semblance of fairness. I mean, the league itself is founded. When, when the league was founded, uh, the late Commissioner Pete Rozelle coined that phrase, any given Sunday. The idea being any one of these teams at the time, I think there was 28 or so, you are going to have a chance to be competitive. Everything structurally is set up so that you can be competitive. We're going to give you the best shot at the best players if you fail miserably the year before. And all of that's designed to create parity and balance, to keep the product strong. So now why can't we apply that same strategy? And I'm not making the argument for it. I'm just simply saying if you're going to do that and that those processes apply for your business model, why shouldn't they apply for life and the, and the more weightier issues that we're dealing with? So are they separate issues? Not really. I think they're all mutually uh, connected to one another. And so I think you can't argue with the results. Sometimes change is all anybody needs, a change of location or change of person in that seat. Uh, all of it can happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean it was the right or the best move. So it's a tricky question because the evidence right there is sitting there in your face in terms of how we measure success in the National Football League. And you guys know that, you know, it's, it's adapt or die quickly or you're out of the mix. So uh, it's a tricky question, but it's one that I think deserves another segment on at some future point in time because I got a lot of good stuff on how to manage these situations. Absolutely. I had a great time talking with Spence about a ton of different things. Can't wait to do it again next Monday. All right, it's going to do it for the show this evening. Appreciate Spencer and John and Dre and Mark and all of you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We will see you tomorrow, but keep it locked right here for tonight's Monday night game. The Commanders taking on the Eagles in Philly. That's all for tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. As always, go Texans.